The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. And when Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, How then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, and they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he said, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Those of you who are fans of whatever sports team it is, local or national, have all asked the question before of another fan of the same team when you've missed the game. What was the score? What was the score at the end of the game? If you don't have access to a television, sports center, or your phone, you've got to ask somebody, and that's the question that you ask. That's what matters, and it's what you want to know. And it's not just what was the score at the end of the first quarter or in the middle of the second inning. You want to know the score when the game was done. What was the score at the end of the game? That's the number you care about. When we had a men's Bible study on Wednesday morning this week, we often will get there and folks are saying hello to each other. And Carrie and Murray exchanged a knowing glance that so many of you Cubs fans have exchanged with other friends and family members throughout the years. A knowing glance and conversation many of you have had before about how the game went the night before. I didn't watch it, but I found out pretty quickly. Well, I guess the Cubs were up against the Braves 5-0 by the end of the fifth inning, and sure enough, the Braves won by one in the middle of the ninth. You can be strong out of the gate in a game, but if you fade in the stretch, well, that's what finally counts to people. It really is what finally matters, especially in sports. If there is any group in the New Testament that had a spiritual advantage out of the gate, as it were, it should have been the priests and the elders. The priests, the Levitical priests in Jerusalem and the elders of Israel. Specifically, the priests, that was good, pious work. It's a great job to have. Their job and the work that surrounded it was the epicenter of worship for God's people. They had a knowledge of the Bible. They had a knowledge of the sacrifices, not just what to do, but hopefully one would think what they meant and signified. They knew, if they were doing their job well, the God who gave them that work. Priests at this time, well, the time of Jesus, they were especially privileged, though, the ones that we see Jesus interacting with in the Gospel lesson. 
Think about it. They probably, those priests, heard, at least secondhand, from people who were there who knew Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, who was a priest himself and received word from Gabriel 30-some years earlier that the forerunner of the Christ was going to be born to his aged wife, Elizabeth. There's no doubt in my mind that the priests that were interacting with Jesus in the Gospel lesson had heard about that story from people who were there because they were there in the same spot as it were. And there's also, I'd say even more likelihood, because it was closer, those priests that Jesus is interacting with were either there themselves or heard secondhand from somebody who was there 18 years earlier in the same temple when this wunderkind from a little town of Nazareth was showing up all of the religious leaders explaining to them the meaning of the Old Testament scriptures as we know Jesus did at 12 years old in the temple. Needless to say, they had themselves good work, a good vantage point, a good way of life with their job, and then probably also with these messianic encounters or secondhand encounters, and they themselves, these priests, were in a position to be what I would say off to a good start in the game. Now as for the other group that Jesus mentions later on in the gospel, tax collectors and prostitutes, well, I would not say that they started off so well themselves. Prostitutes. Do I really need to elaborate in a sermon? Not a good thing to be doing. Whoever in the modern commentators have said, well, the Bible shouts about sins, about money, but it always whispers about sexual sins. It doesn't. It's all over. Don't do it. No. There's a prostitution is a fundamental perversion of the relationship, the sexual relationship between men and women. Divorcing sex from its intended purpose and creation, be fruitful and multiply. And as for the tax collectors, well, we know that one well too, don't we? These guys had the position that was kind of unchecked by rules and regulations. If you just knew the right people and you had the job, you were set protected to collect as much as you wanted and people had no recourse against it. They were skimming off the top, hurting people that could kind of absorb the punch, hurting people who could not absorb it. And they were protected by their status. In spite of what we kind of have a gut feeling and want to lean towards, taxes aren't inherently bad or wrong. They're in the Bible. Government does not run off of love and goodwill. You have to have them. But tax collecting in that day and age, the status quo of how it happened was hurtful to families, individuals, hurtful to society. And so needless to say, groups that Jesus talks about in the gospel, prostitutes and tax collectors, not a good way of life. Not as we say to our kids now, not making good choices. The priests, as the priests lived in an honorable profession, the second group of people, they lived in a dishonorable profession. But when Jesus came onto the scene, as he did, a fundamental switch happened. Not that he categorically condemned the priesthood as such. Of course, he couldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. It was established by God, and their work of the sacrifices was preview work, really kind of echoes of what he would be when he came. He's not going to condemn it. It's also not that Jesus, when he came, sanctioned tax collectors and prostitution. 
Think about it. Of course, Zacchaeus, the notorious tax collector, promised to pay back with interest what he had defrauded people, and Jesus, more or less, by silence, encourages that. And then, of course, the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, after all the people that would stone her leave, Jesus does tell her, go and sin no more. In essence, don't keep doing it. But when Jesus came and John the Baptist before him, it was apparent with their words and with their actions and with how people received them, who was actually going to finish the game strong, finish the race strong. The priests and the elders, in spite of their position, their high position, or perhaps even because of their high position, because of vanity which often comes with such things, well, what did they do? They rejected John. They rejected the Jesus who John was preparing the way for. And as a result, they had no need for the grace and mercy which came with this Messiah. Because they rejected him, they had no need for the pardon which he brought with his words and with his work. Prostitutes and the tax collectors, on the other hand, well, what did they have? They had every need for him. Every need for this Messiah who spoke of the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. And so what did they do? When they encountered this Jesus, they repented and believed. And as a result of these two very different actions, reactions to Jesus, the standing between the two groups was completely swapped. The first became last, and the last became first. Everybody who's ever played or watched a game, a sports game, knows this. It's not over until the game is over. It doesn't matter if you had a series of three touchdowns in a row. It doesn't matter if you hit a grand slam. The score at the end is what counts. You can be up by a wide margin at halftime or even at the top of the ninth. But what matters is how is it played out until the very end. In Jesus' very, very brief parable example, the second son, he said the words the father wanted to hear when he said, go out and work in the vineyard. He said, sir, I go. But in the end, what did he do? He did not follow through. They were empty words. He did not go at all. And though the first son that Jesus mentions was verbally wrong, the father says, go out to the vineyard. He says, I'm not going to do it. In the end, what did he do but what was right? He went out and he worked in the vineyard. And as it was for them, so too was it for the priests and elders, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, and so too is it for us and indeed all people until the end of this world. We are Christians here in this room, in sight of me and in the sound of my voice. You are here believing in your God through his son, Jesus Christ. You know the word of promise and you believe the word of promise. But what will it avail if you do not persist in confident faith in that word of promise until the end of your life? It's a clear message. We can believe, we should believe, we do believe, and we must continue to believe in our confession and faith. We should go to the vineyard every day, as it were, if we would indeed win the race, win the game. And to do that, we must never lose sight of who we are, of what we need, on the one hand, and who Jesus is and what he gives on the other. 
In spite of their position, their high position of authority and honor, the elders and the priests, they got that first part wrong. They didn't really know how bad off they were, what they needed. And because of that, they couldn't grasp, they couldn't accept, they could not appreciate the second part, who Jesus was and what he was giving them. The tax collectors and the prostitutes, however, they got that first part so very right. They knew precisely how bad they were and what they needed. And so when the second part, Jesus and his work was right in front of them, they were glad to receive him. Though they were walk-ons, starting dead last, they finished way in front of the draft picks. So let's learn from them and let's follow their example. Let's know and hate our sin so that we may know and love our Savior Jesus. Let's not take for granted or just sort of assume, well, I believed once at one point of time, or I believe right now, so I must be fine forever as far as like continuing. I just don't have to feed my faith or anything like that. No, let's not think that way, but let us continue daily in the repentance and faith with the catechism, which more than the catechism, the Bible exhorts us to live in. Let us continue that way until the end when we do finally, on that great day, cross the finish line and enter into the victory party of the Lamb and his kingdom forever. Amen.